Twilight Zone has been brought to you by Milk Wave Lilt, the new home permanent you mix with milk for curls that start soft and stay lively. We're back. Uh, Rachel had some technical difficulties, or she heard something. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's, I don't, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, we can keep I, going. I mean, it could have been Shaquille O'Neal. Probably, but... you know, it, it could have been. So, we begin our journey in the Twilight Zone, October 2nd, 1959, with Where Is Everybody? Rod Serling is the writer, as he will be for most of the, the first season, if not the whole thing. Uh, uh, he's not for the whole thing, but he, he is for most of the, of the first season. And directed by Robert Stevens. So, I'm going to just do the first narration, and uh, we'll go from there. There is a fifth dimension, beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of men's fear and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area we call the Twilight Zone. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Although I think it, I think I I think in these the first season it just kind of goes like like it just yeah, kind of like fades true. a little it bit. Does, more. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't have the. It doesn't have the iconic. Doody doody doody. No. Yeah. Or the quite yet. Or the blink 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 blink. <laughs> it's much more menacing. It is. At this point. It's quiet. It's creepy. So a lot of the score for the Twilight Zone is Bernard Herrmann. Bernard Herrmann is most famous for one of the most famous scores in the history of cinema, which I'm going to do the sound to freak Rachel out right now because, like I said, it's super late and we have all the lights off. It's... Dun-dun. Dun-dun. You know that used to scare the hell out of me. Dun-dun. <laughs> Dun-dun. Uh, so yeah, he did the score for Psycho. And he did, he does a lot of the score here, and you can kind of tell. The the theme definitely holds up. Some of the score is very old-timey sounding, but we'll, we'll get into the different ones that, that we found the score is a little bit different. So the episode starts, uh, or the show starts. It doesn't have the iconic theme, like we said. And instead of taking us through the door, through the scary door, it takes us into this like barren land, like a, like an empty cavernous land. But the pan down it, it is the usual opening, where like you're in the stars, and then it right. pans down into the world, into the twilight zone. So we open with a guy. He's wearing a Mike Myers like jumpsuit, and he's walking around kind of like empty fieldish kind of area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and I call, and the only way I could describe it was a Mike Myers like jumpsuit. I hate that you say that. I keep. Why are you bringing up everything that like? (laughs) I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get the everyone, uh, the folks at home. I'm trying to get you in the mood here. If you're listening to this, if you listen to us, like you know, on your regular basis, like great. But if you can. Try to try to make this, you know, kind of a midnight listen of shelf life, or um, at least watch the episodes. If you if you're one that likes to watch the episodes before you listen to our show about it, 
watch them at, at night because like I always think of Twilight Zone as being like a midnight show. It's like a, yeah, a like show the, to make you or like do the witching hour. You go to bed. Yeah. Because it's like, and, so and I mean, it happen. was on in prime time. It was on in prime time at the time. Now, now it, it yeah. kind of comes on at, at like midnight. Three in the clock in the morning, and then or three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> sometimes, it's, sometimes it's on when I wake up. It's like, a, oh, it's like six in the morning. Twilight are, Zone. Are you actually awake though? The Twilight Zone. <laughs> so he hears music, and there's a cafe nearby. So he enters the cafe. But there's no one in it, and there's a jukebox on, Mm -hmm. but he can't find anybody, and he goes out back, and he's trying to order food, and he's trying to figure out who's playing the music. Yeah, and, like, the way he's just, like, yelling it, like, you have a customer? (laughs) Eggs over easy. Hash browns. Hey, you got a customer out here. I'm an eggs, eggs over easy, hash browns. Hungry cash customer. I got $2.85, American money. Sure, American money. Well, we got that much settled. I'm an American. You got a customer here. <laughs> Paying customer. Ham and eggs. Eggs over easy. Yep, he just keeps you yelling. Gotta, it. You got to you got to talk like your 1950s style, you know, New York <laughs> yeah. 1950s style, no matter where you actually are. And he's got what I how much money does he have? Oh, 285. I got 285 American cash. And I'm hungry. Apparently I'm American. I'm hungry. Yeah. Oh yeah, so so we kind of find out that he doesn't know who he is. But he, he knows he's American because he knows he has he has American cash. So like he has like some kind of amnesia going on, and he breaks an egg timer here, yep. like an egg timer falls on the floor, right? Which is a little bit of clumsy foreshadowing, but there, that is foreshadowing. It is, but I don't even reality. know if you could call it that clumsy. I don't know if a lot of people would catch that right away. That's true. That's true. I I have the benefit of having seen it before. Right. I mean one one thing to point out too is like we said in the first part twilight zone episodes are known for twists so if you don't want the twists spoiled watch those episodes first before we go through them with yeah, you. yeah agreeing because we are going to go through everything and spoil the twist so so pause pause your podcast now and we'll wait we'll wait don't worry go ahead and pause yeah, okay and, so pause, and, then we'll, pausing. and then we'll come back so hold on okay. hold on Okay, okay, okay. I think okay. we can start now, yes. Okay. Spoiler zone. Okay, we are now in spoiler zone. And we are from now on with all the episodes <laughs> that we do. So he talks to no one through this. This is all just him talking. He tries to tell himself to wake up. He tells himself, like, come on, buddy, just wake up, wake up. He says it a couple times. He's not far off. Really? Yeah, no. Um, but but he, he does keep trying to tell himself, like, wake up wake up like he thinks he's got to be in a dream because there's everything's like... weird yeah it's weird so he, he finishes it's like just breakfast. like someone it's like everything seems right except stuff was plucked right out of what was happening right then yeah so he finishes the breakfast and he walks to ta- to a town there's like a town nearby it looks like hill valley it looks like the hill valley set to hill me, valley. from back to the future it does it really does look like Hill Valley. It, like, 
I don't know if it's the same set. I don't know if, like, Robert Zemeckis thought, I'm going to use this for... Or, like, I remember the Twilight Zone and I kind of want it to look like that. Or if towns in 1950s USA looked like that. But it looks very much like Back to the Future, I thought. No, I agree. I definitely agree. Because it has that whole town square vibe to it. So the first thing he does once he walks into town, I said, this is the quintessential... We're at the tail end of coronavirus pandemic in the United States. It's the quintessential COVID episode for for the Twilight Zone. This is a man that is walking around in an empty town. There's signs of people there, but he can't figure out why. And it just reminded me of COVID. Like, oh, like Rachel, of how you get any of that whenever you watched like video of with the drones and everything of like deserted <laughs> areas that used are yeah, usually like, like there's signs like, just of people, tons of people, but you can't find them. Yeah, they're just like hiding. It feels like everybody's just hiding, and you could just yeah, yell out like "Ali, Ali, oxen free," and then they would all like yeah. <laughs> around which the is a very fifties expression. Yes. But that's what it feels like. All of a sudden, they'd be like, ha, 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 we're here. And they all just all yeah. are, like, leaning outside of the tree or something. Like, it's just weird. Did he re- forget his birthday? And this is, like, a whole town <laughs> surprise. Surprise! <laughs> yeah, that's, it, it really does feel that way. But it's, like, this emptiness. And that's, like, kind of where, like, I got that vibe. It does kind of feel that way, just, like, coming off of, not that I really cared, I, I enjoyed it, but a lot of people <laughs> didn't, and so I, I could understand that, having that feeling watching this episode. Mm-hmm. So he sees a woman in a car, he runs over to it, going, oh, hey, miss, miss, hey, miss, and it turns out to be a mannequin. Which I thought was weird. Okay, why, why yeah, is there it, a mannequin sitting in the passenger seat of a car (laughs) because it's because it's creepy (laughs) i don't know if it's rod serling or like the him and the cast and crew all found mannequins creepy but we will get into another episode where mannequins (laughs) are creepy yes but but they understand that and they're right because i thought for a second well, first of all, so he, he opens the door to get the, to like get, say hi to the woman, and it turns out to be a mannequin, so she falls onto the ground. The mannequin does. And then he apologizes and to her. And... He, yeah, he apologizes to her. He starts talking to her. Did you catch the fly that lands on the, the car door? It sits there for a second. I don't think I saw that. Yeah, there's like a fly that just kind of comes and like sits on the car door. It was like <laughs> in the middle of the frame, and I couldn't stop looking at it. Oh my god. What, one thing that I will say, the the quality, the, I don't know if this is like a Blu-ray scale that we that I watched, but it is oh, very it good. good looking. Yeah. It's a very good looking print uh, or whatever it is, scan or whatever it is. But yes, there's a fly on the door. And then he walks into the store where the car was parked with the mannequin in it. And there's a bunch of other mannequins. Yes. In the entranceway. Yeah. And I started freaking the fuck out. Because that is some scary shit. And it, I thought that it was going to go into a totally different direction. World. Like, if he, if he oh starts going to that store, we're into a different episode. Here. It feels like you could absolutely be in a different episode at that point. Yes. 
But but he kind of just walks in, he shouts again, and he walks out. And the emptiness is sort of unsettling, and you and the score kind of like is depicting that everything is just more unnerving that you can't figure out where everyone is at and like what's going on. So there so there's a phone booth which I don't think we need to explain what a phone booth is unless we want to do the old, <laughs> oh, you see kids back in my day. Oh, back oh, oh. in my like, day. I think people are smart enough to kind of know phone booths were a thing before cell phones and towns would have them all over the place. I would hope so. He decides to go and, or, oh, no, no, no. He doesn't decide to, like, call someone. The phone starts it to starts ring. It starts to ring. Which is, again, even creepier. So he runs to answer the phone because he's he's trying to find someone. And it's just an operator. It's just, you know. It's like a recording. A compu- yeah, it's, it's a just recording a recording. on another end. And he's trying to tell the operator, like, I'm trying to find somebody. I'm trying to find somebody. Yeah. Hello, hello. And, and it's just a recording. So he he gets frustrated. Now, this is what I didn't understand. He shuts the door behind him. And I get that that's probably like a reflex for anyone back then. You would just shut the door behind you to, to the phone booth. But it's not like anybody outside of the phone booth is going to listen to your conversation. Well, I mean, I guess it's because the door folds. So, like, it would be a little uncomfortable having it open. No, I don't know. I Maybe, I don't know. You, you lose a little bit of space. But but I thought it was weird that he was, I, I it has to just be a, a, a normal reflex. reflex. Yeah. And he desperately pleads with the recording. I mean, who hasn't desperately pled with a customer service line, right? Yeah, like, just hit zero I've shouted times. at a, a customer service line. Like, <laughs> I've said the same thing. I'm pretty sure I've said the same, I think we same talked lines about this. that he said verbatim. Yeah, we talked about it on our, our Small Soldiers episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just another example where I've just been like desperately like, I'm just trying to find somebody. I'm just I trying just to find talk- anybody. I just want a human. Please give me a human. <laughs> <laughs> I have said that to the computer before. Please just give me a human. Just give me a human. <laughs> when he's when he's in the phone booth, they do this close up on his face, which I think is supposed to show like claustrophobic. There's a lot of good cinematography work in this episode. And I don't know if that's that's due to the director, Stevens, or, you know, they were just testing some stuff or they, this kind of stuff was done a lot back then. Right. But I don't know if it was done a lot for television back then. And folks at home, let me know. But it is just this like zoom in on his face and you can just kind of see like he's getting he's getting more freaked out as these events happen to him and it's in really good hd you see stubble on his face it it does look really good they did a good job of redoing like or i guess like refining these i think they at least i think they did that with the they had to there's no way yeah, there's no way that I mean film film is better than digital when it comes to details like that, but it just it looks really good. For it to come up that uh, way on RTVs, it would it would have to be redone. And I'll give credit to the actor here too because Rachel, I remember you and I watched this episode with each other mm-hmm. for the first time like years ago. And I remember we felt it. We felt like it, it was creepy. It was. Because we didn't know what was going to happen. No. And, like, you, the tension is just building and building. And yes. it just keeps getting worse and worse. But Earl Holloman, who is the actor who plays, we end up learning his name is Mike Ferris at, at some point during the episode. His face here is perfect, too, because it is just so desperate. 
It does. He does look, like, very desperate, very anxious, like, overwhelmed by everything that's happening. You can just kind of, like, feel it emanating off of him. His eyes just look a little wild. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. His eyes look wild. He tries to get the door open to get out of the phone booth, and he can't get it open right away, and he starts to freaking panic. And Oh my god, um, yeah, like, he got trapped in there. Yeah, so, and, and I liked that, too. One, it's foreshadowing. And two, like, I would do the same thing, even if it was, if I wasn't in a panic. Just that feeling of you can't get out of a small area. Yep. Is that it was really good. Right. Eventually he is able to get it open and he sees like a police department. So he decides to go check out the police department. And again, there's no one there and he's walking around, but he sees a cigarette or like a a freshly put out cigarette. I think, it's just, I think it's like just. I think it's just sitting. I think it's like lit, and it's still like just sitting on the edge. Like if somebody was smoking it, they just set it down for a second. Yeah, yeah, because it's still smoking. They didn't like light it. They didn't like. Yeah, they didn't like. Right. Like you know, push it. Down. I don't. You know, sit, I don't smoke. So, but I'm pretty sure it's just like sitting there, <laughs> as if somebody just like dropped it without putting it up. And he's he's trying to keep light. He he picks up like the radio thing. Oh yeah, he Maybe makes he's a hoping joke. that. Maybe he's hoping that because they don't recognize him on his end, they'll be like, you know, who is this? Why right. are you on and this And then come, come running, like, why are you in here? Yeah. I think that might be a part of it, but at least, yeah, he is still, like, trying to make a joke. Ha ha ha, like, okay, come get me. Someone come right, help. Right. <laughs> right. It's, uh, you know, very akin to um, different things nowadays where somebody tries to get arrested on purpose to, like, save, get saved. Yeah. Like in uh, Happy Death Day. <laughs> that, that happens. In, oh, in yeah. It does. So he he wishes he could shake this crazy feeling he's being watched and listened to. Mm-hmm. But he has this feeling that he's being watched and he's being listened to. But he can't quite understand why. You know, I kind of do, again, like, I don't know. You, you kind of feel like... You know, are you being watched and listened to? Right. While you're watching the show, it's again, it's like this. Just it, it makes you feel tense while you're watching it. He he goes in the cells because he like he hears something in one of the cells. Right. And in one of the cells is shaving cream, yep. the old timey like brush that you put on. Oh your yeah, face yeah, to yeah. Shave. One of those big brushes. Yeah. Which I, which I still think, you you know, would come in handy now. Like, I feel like... I think I they like still use it in some places. Be, like, if I went to, like, an old-timey barber to have it done. Yeah. I think if you might, went to, like, a like, barber. Yeah. I mean, I have... I, I may or may not have facial hair, but I have not ever done a straight razor. Guy, you know... Like, someone else do mind. a straight, ra- straight razor for you, or have you ever I've gotten done a one? straight razor. I've had the girl who cuts my hair... At the place where I go, she sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, do you want the back of your neck shaved?" Ah, and and if I'm feeling, you know, if I'm feeling, you know, uh, risky or dangerous, I'll I'll be like, you know, oh yeah, put it on there, and they put like a hot towel on there, and then they like put the cream on and like shave it. It's an awesome little feeling. So I could imagine <laughs> like, ooh, yeah, I I, I I may or may not have a beard as well, but you know, when I shave with that's a true. straight razor. <laughs> on my legs uh i understand that nice like feeling women shave not every day 
he's in there. He's try. He, he the shaving equipment's there. Which again, someone was here. Someone is here. Right. At this point, I was kind of thinking, like, is it ghosts? What is what is this? Right. Is it um, like a apocalypse world? Like, what's happening? Well, and it gets even creepier because he's standing in the cell and the door. Oh my god, that gave me chills. Behind him. Yeah, that is terrifying. Because like, if that door closes, he's fucking stuck there too. That gave me chills. I seeing the cell door start to move. He oh, and they do it, and it's like they do it really well too because they don't show you the door; they just have the shadow. Yes, and then all of a sudden he goes like across. And it's just like, oh my god, that gave me chills, goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like in this world where you can't find a human, and now you're trapped in a cell. That's it. That's it. Yeah, he'd be done. He'd be done. He does manage to get on the other side of the cell though before it closes, so he's he's not locked in the cell. Right. He runs out of there. He looks directly into the camera and he goes, "Where is everybody?" And before we go to a commercial break, um, which is very old time TV, I thought, because like most of the time now, you don't have your characters look at the camera or acknowledge that there's a fourth wall there. Unless it's yeah, they they're not really reason. supposed to like look directly at the camera, and then they look at direct, and it feels like they're looking at you and asking you where the hell is everybody. I I mean I could see I I maybe we should bring that back. I don't know. Thinking about different television shows that are on now, like if you had like what's a what's a popular show nowadays? Like if you had um, Eleven, just stare like turn at the screen and go like i don't know sometimes it's just stranger things oh yeah and then the episode ended I, it wouldn't work it, it would yeah like look at me like that Wait, it's and, just like, I, like you gave me this weird or she doesn't you gave say me this anything, weird look right they just like yeah. look at the camera for a second yeah and then that's even creepier like yeah. they just it's like it they're looking you look, at you it makes you look like you're like possessed eh. yeah I mean, you get you do get it in horror movies and like Blumhouse oh, yeah. movies, especially where like, like the last shot for it to go like nah! or like whatever and like like do like, the, the final jump scare. scare, yeah, yeah, because they're making you focus on something else, and that's why right, they do right. That, they're just but... they're just trying to startle you. Yeah, but it is startling. They did understand that that does make you feel unnerved to have someone on the TV screen look at you. But right. That's why we don't do it. Right. Or, or it's only supposed to be done for a specific effect. Right. So we come back from a commercial break, and I wrote down that uh, it was kind of surprising that he doesn't go into the church. He hears yeah. the church bells. That so was like weird again too. like everything else in the story like once when he hears something or he suspects people might be there he he, he goes, goes to, to it. it, but he doesn't go in the church. And I could not, for the life of me, figure out if that was intentional on the show's part of some sort of commentary. It may or like have been. some sort of backstory that was there. Like, right. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I mean, we could try to analyze that, but I mean, there's, yeah, like, there's I mean, so many we... different ways you could go with the fact that he didn't go into that church. One, maybe it's he is worried he is dead. He's dead. And if he goes yeah. to the church, you know, then he's like crossing over. Exactly. 
Yeah. See, like, I got so, goosebumps just thinking about that. I know! That's what I'm saying! <laughs> like, <laughs> you get goosebumps thinking about things like that. But, like, that could be one of the reasons that he doesn't go to the church. That's like, good, too, because he, cause he looks at it. And he walks away from it. And it makes him nervous. It's kind of like a, yeah. oh, I don't know. It's like calling me. I don't think I should go over there. Right. And I doubt that it's it would be something where it's like anti-religion. Because we'll get into episodes where Serling is... Religious. He was born <laughs> Jewish. He, he turned um, turned some sort... I can't remember what it was for his wife. Folks at home, let me know what it was. His wife was some form of Christianity. And he, he became it so that they could get married in the church. But... Mm-hmm. He was a he. He's not anti-religious. There's shows that are very pro pro-religion, and it's not like you get away with being having like a real like a against the church message message in 1959 anyway. But I think your interpretation is probably right, Rachel. Where it's like he thinks maybe he's dead, and like that or like in just limbo. Confirm it. Yeah, which yeah. like again, like that even makes it even. I mean, it's very human, though, right? Yeah. If there is bad news, even if you're really curious and you're really unsettled and you're really nervous, if you think it might be bad, you avoid it still. Yes. <laughs> so, like, he's like he does. He wants to know the answer, but if it's bad, he kind of wants to avoid like, it. Well, let's let's say it's not that. Let's move over here and see if it's these things first. Let's go to the let's go to this drugstore first. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm gonna get myself a soda. Can I get a soda with ice cream? Yeah, he just keeps going. He's very hungry. Well, he eats a lot in this episode. He, yeah, that's true. I'm gonna give the this show credit. I mean, obviously, I'm giving this show credit because it, we are talking about it, and it's 60 years old, but. <laughs> This is a TV show that's 25 minutes long, and it's mostly one guy Yep, walking around, talking to himself occasionally. Right. And it keeps your interest the entire time. It really does. Now, I don't know if that just says something about us or people that like the, the show, but I you couldn't do that now. They wouldn't let you do this now. I don't think. I, don't, I mean, I don't maybe know. there's episodes of the new Twilight Zone or, or Black Mirror that do. Yeah. We'll have to f- see. But, because I haven't watched a lot of Black Mirror because, again, like, it, it just depresses me. Yeah. But... <laughs> I'll have to go back to watching some of it. <laughs> I give the show a lot of credit because it, it does really, like, make it, you know, it, it keeps your attention. It keeps you going. It keeps you wanting to know what's going on. So he goes into this drugstore, and he gets a Sunday. He asks everybody if he wants a Sunday, and he starts talking to himself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And it's a little, it's a little, it's definitely a, a, a writer's device to get like some exposition out to talk to himself in the mirror. But I, I it's fine. Well, you know, for... well, the thing was is if he doesn't know who he is either, this is the first time he's seeing himself. He's seeing himself. That's true. Yeah. Because so, he does kind of say, like, you you look familiar, but I can't figure out who... You, I don't remember the name. Right. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I put in my notes here, I don't know, I'd get by. I don't know exactly what I was talking about, but I think eating the Sunday by yourself in an empty drugstore in an empty world, that seemed, uh, like, peaceful to me. I, I don't know. Folks at home, let me know. But I think, you know... I don't know. Is, is he weird? Is he weird to say that? I don't know. Because I kind of feel the same way, in a sense. But I also talk to yeah. myself all the time when I'm alone. So... 
that episode of The Simpsons where Homer's in the theater by himself after the world ended, and we'll get to the theater in this in a minute too, mm-hmm. which the theater that Homer's in is not from this, but it could be, because like they could have been combining Omega Man in this. Heaven. I want I want my theater to myself, but I just don't want to go to a nine o'clock showing on like a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> So he basically tells the guy in the mirror himself that he quotes Ebenezer Scrooge. He quotes Christmas Carol because he's trying to convince himself that like he just ate something bad and like this is just a weird dream that he's having because he's having like a nightmare from from eating something bad. I don't remember him quoting it. Yeah, he says something. I, I I don't remember the line from Christmas Carol, but it's like, you know, you're just a bad piece of cheese or like a di- undigested piece of meat or something like that. Okay. Which is which is a line from Christmas Carol. I didn't realize that. Okay. Isolation is such a theme on this show. It comes up again, and we'll talk about it again shortly on our journey a few times in these first mm-hmm. handful of episodes. But it really does, like, again, I just thought, man, it really is like a COVID world. Yes, a quarantine world, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're all in quarantine. It could be. Like, like they all had to the... be, like, but grabbed this and nuclear... run and be in quarantine. Yep. This would have been the nuclear panic. They could all be in quarantine. Um, so he gets another hint of what could be going on, because it's a drugstore, and a drugstore in the 50s had, like, a bar, and it had pharmaceuticals and it had books and shit it had a bunch of different stuff in it and it has a bunch of books and he starts spinning the racks on the books and he spins one of the racks and there's a bunch of copies of a book called the last man on earth Mm -hmm. and you can tell he gets more concerned because now he's thinking oh shit am i the last am i the last man on earth so he kind of runs out of the store right so he's time passes i think there's another commercial break so now it's night and he's just sitting in the park he doesn't know what what else to do he's just playing like tic-tac-toe with himself Mm -hmm. which sounds like fun um (laughs) and all the lights turn on because like it's that time of night right lights and like automatic lights yeah and the theater lights turn on wait you hear that okay never mind i don't know what that was so the theater lights come on there's a theater in the town and he decides to go check it out because you know it's it you know a little brighter and lighter there's a movie called battle hymn mm-hmm. playing it stars rock hudson and martha Heyer. i've heard of rock hudson before i i don't know if i've heard of martha Heyer. i'm sure i have seen sure. something with her in it but the poster has a guy that's dressed like him and he realizes he's an air force pilot in fact he runs into the theater going Air Force. Yeah. I'm in the Air Force! Yeah, he just... Hey, everybody! Yeah, he wants to tell somebody that he figured something out. Air Force. Air Force. I'm Air Force. Air Force. I'm in the Air Force! I'm in the Air Force! Hey, I'm in the Air Force! I'm in the Air Force! Hey, everybody, I'm in the Air Force! But of course, the theater is empty, and he doesn't quite know what it means that he's in the Air Force. Like, he's like, okay, Air Force, but what does that mean? Right. Like, what does it mean that I'm in the Air Force? And and the theater empty, again, I know that's not where The Simpsons got this, but that's what I remembered. Or, like, there's other movies and stuff where they have, like, empty theaters for sure. 
Yeah. Um, which I'm sure is is kind of a trope, but this is, you know, that an, another unsettling thing. And while he's in the theater empty, so he realizes, he remembers that being part of the Air Force means that there could have been a bomb. Yep. But he he reckons that it wasn't a bomb because nothing's destroyed. Sure. So it wasn't a bomb. So like I think he I, th- I think that's or at to least try a to bomb reassure didn't himself go that, off. Yeah. Right. But I think that's to try to reassure himself that he's not the last man on earth. Like that like his first thought is oh shit, like a bomb went off. Maybe I delivered it. Oh, okay. And like the plane crashed and like now I don't know who I am. Yeah. Trademark that, that, I'll write that little side story. <laughs> That's trademark shelf life. As he's thinking that, the movie starts, and you hear that, like, projection noise, mm-hmm. that... With which the, is, like, a weird old noise. Yeah. So it's, like, all weird noise anyway that we don't hear anymore. And it's, a it's like, a film of, like, planes going off, which I was wondering, like, is that another foreshadowing? And he runs to the projection booth. Yep. Because he's like, well, somebody has to be, somebody has to be up there it. controlling it, a thing when it turned on. And he gets up there, and we get a POV shot of him trying to look in, oh. which is really weird because oh, it's like an yeah. old like, camera looking in. Right. And there's nothing there, which we can't really see because the light's in his face, but, but you, you get the idea that there's nobody in there. Right. So he runs down, and you see him kind of running towards the, from left to right on the screen. And then suddenly he crashes into a mirror and falls. And that made me jump the first time I saw it. Right. Yep. That was actually beautifully done. <laughs> like that was because you're already kind of in a panic and you don't think that something's like that's going to happen because of the fact it's a TV show from 1959. Mm-hmm. But the, the mirror breaks and you're like, oh, it was a trick shot. Like you were seeing him in the mirror run toward the mirror. Right. So very, very well done. And then he he leaves the theater and now we get a bunch of Dutch angles. For those of you that do not know, a Dutch angle is when the camera is tilted like sideways, almost like a 45 degree angle. So you're like kind of on the sidewalk, kind of like going up. And it's supposed to make you feel unnerved and, and un- paranoid. Un- yeah. And unbalanced. Yes. It sets you unbalanced. That's probably what it is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. unbalanced. But he's just kind of like running through town. He hugs a light pole and he starts pressing the cross button. That's like the button to like let you walk across the street. He just keeps going like, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Mm -hmm. And he just keeps saying that. And suddenly we cut to a group of generals, colonels, some sort of like Military. military. Air Force military. Who is watching him, and and one guy tells him, like, get him out of there. Get him out of there. Get him out of there! And it turns out he was in a box being monitored. He broke a clock on the wall that was in the box. So that's, like, the egg timer that that broke. So that must have been, you know, in entering the subconscious. And and he basically passes out. So the rest of the crew get him out of there. Right. It's kind of like like a pod. And then they have him, like, wired in and everything. It's very small. It's like a right. one man yeah, like, like seat. It's like a like a seat. It's like yeah. literally if you were like in a um a simulator game and it's like you're inside of it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it is kind of like a simulator game. Do you know what I thought it remi- what it reminded me of? Mhm. So we 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 well, let me let me say this first. So he passes out, they start unhooking him. 
they're happy that they were able to compile all this data. And then they're like, let in the press. And I thought it was hilarious. Like, I this is definitely something that the Simpsons have used. And I'm sure it's in other stuff from this era where like uh, like 20 people from the press just run Oh in my the God, room. yes. <laughs> like all these guys in suits are just like, and they just start talking and they're like, yeah. Yeah. So the press is walking and they're walking and talking. They basically say like his commanding officer says he cracked. Uh, he was having some sort of delusions after a while right and we get our message about like if you were confined to a two foot by two foot box you'd be you'd get freaked out too for, but I, for like, 96 hours i was gonna say yeah it was more than 96 hours wasn't it like 96 days oh yeah it was like two and two weeks it was two weeks yeah oh so it, he was only in there for two weeks i thought yes, it was, was way longer weeks. than that for some reason okay <laughs> he made he made it two weeks like they were like happy that he was able to make it two weeks right and what it reminds me of, it, and I don't know if this is if they did this as an homage to this episode because it's similar in, in theme. It's similar in theme and in execution. Mm -hmm. The story is different, and that is the episode of Recess, which we will do one day. Yes, called the box. Yes, I remember the they box. They referred to this as a box. Yes, and they, and in the in Recess, it's called the, the box. box. And the box in recess is, it's a punishment device where you, it's like a little two by two foot square. I think they even say that. I, I don't remember the dimensions exactly. Folks at home, I'm sure you're going to correct me. <laughs> but TJ has to go stand in a box and he's not allowed to leave it during recess. And he he cracks. I mean, the the line from that, that I mean, you and I still quote Rachel, TJ's good boy, good boy. good boy, TJ be a good boy. <laughs> I mean, we'll do it one day, but, like, do you think that was a homage I think to it, this? I, it's got to be. Or, 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 like, a common theme must be this. It may be like a common theme. A yeah. But the, it could have taken stuff from this, because I bet there's other uh, Recess episodes that do definitely take stuff Oh, there's definitely from... Recess episodes that do. And now I have to go back and watch them all. <laughs> <laughs> No, Re Recess is up there with some of the better stuff that took from higher level ideas. Yes, very we'll, clever, we'll very clever. So they get him out of there. I love that there's like 20 guys surrounding him. Nowadays, you'd be like, let the man have a freaking breath. You're like surrounding him. You're not letting him like take a minute. Right. We learn that his name is Ferris, so Mike Ferris, which which I mentioned before. And we get our overall second message, which is, and this is interesting. This is a pandemic message for all of you out there. <laughs> Not necessarily for me, but for, for most or many. We can feed them. You can provide entertainment to them, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't simulate man's hunger for companionship. Yep. You see, we can feed the stomach with concentrates. We can supply microfilm for reading, recreation, even movies of a sort. We can pump oxygen in and waste material out. But there's one thing we can't simulate. That's a very basic need. Man's hunger for companionship. The barrier of loneliness. That's one thing we haven't licked yet. Next time it won't be just a box and a hanger, will it? No, Mike. Next time you'll really be alone. The barrier for loneliness. So I said, 
they're either trying to prepare him for a pandemic or a trip to the moon. And I think it's I think other. it's to space. I bet it's a trip to space. You don't think it? No, no, it is a trip to space. I was <laughs> making a joke. I, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. No, no, I think it's a trip to space. <laughs> no, I mean, hell, they, they, this could have been for like a pandemic test too. Like, okay, let's, well, let's, yeah, but let's he would have put him in the box. Like... You know, let's let's put him in the box and see how he does for a while all by himself. Well, put, put him in the box, give him a couple Blu-rays and a video yeah. game, and maybe yeah. Netflix and see how he does. You know, someone can deliver food to him every once in a there while. Definitely. <laughs> There were definitely not people that lasted those two weeks. There were some people that couldn't last a day because they were protesting oh after a day of it. God, yeah. Like, I mean, it's been like 16 months and I'm getting a little bit like, huh, this is kind of sad that it's kind of, I mean, it's not sad that it's ending because it's horrible, but it is, I am kind of like, well, now I don't have an excuse to not do something. <laughs> like, I don't know. I still feel kind of isolated. <laughs> Uh, but well have you cracked yet have you drawn a uh have you put yourself in like a submarine like box to try to prepare yourself to go to the moon i mean no (laughs) i mean i guess (laughs) uh so he kind of says when he's done he's like i'll be up there someday like talking to the moon as they pull him away And, and we get our final narration which is about isolation and like the empty void of space and like how that's pretty creepy too oh my god space itself Will, would creep me out and so does the ocean so like the vastness of the ocean creeps me out a little bit and like how deep and it is only, and like, like not yeah. being able to see anything and it's the same thing with space space is empty it's it's silent you know you don't know what's there or what's coming i mean both of those well, things at, are at- terrifying and at this time, they didn't really know what they were in store for, or how it would feel, or if people would be okay by themselves right. in space. So, like, it, it is pulling at that, like, that that feeling at the time, where like we wanted to conquer space. Mm-hmm. So it was it was on it was the great unknown. Yeah, it's the final frontier. That's the end of Where Is Everybody, the pilot episode of the Twilight Zone. Rachel, we have come to that part of the show as we will after at the end of each episode where i i'll ask you does where is everybody have shelf life i think this one has shelf life uh, definitely especially with you like tying in the like the things happening now yeah with what they were were going for then you can put different parallels to it and i like that about it isolation i feel like is something that actually definitely has shelf life um <laughs> because it's always there. It's always like a, a psychological thing. And I think this um, really hit it right on the head with how it would feel. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I agree. I think this one has shelf life. I, I think it's a super solid episode. It's It's got a really good tone. I, I think it is one of the better, probably unsung episodes of, of Twilight yes. Zone. I think, I think people remember this one, but I don't think people think of it as like a classic classic. Right. But but I think it's it's really good. No, there's and, there's um, like corny parts to it, you know, or like little well, like yeah. weird things. But at the same time, it's kind of like well, that's that's fine. The overarching kind of the time. yeah, the overarching yeah. Uh, pieces to it definitely are there. I mean, and and one of the other themes that could even be like of today is because it is talking about isolation. It could be talking about prisoners yes. or or POWs like being put into isolation, mm-hmm. which 
that's another, you know, it's still a modern topic. Exactly. So it does have a lot of discussion points and things that, that can that can be talked through as you go through. And on top of that, I think the cinematography and mm-hmm. the acting is, is good and does set a really good tone. So, yeah, I will say I think we're both in agreement. Where is Everybody Does Have Shelf Life? If you haven't seen it, go check this one out. It is a, it is a good episode of Twilight Zone. Yep. But we will continue to delve deeper into the Twilight Zone when we come back from our fake sponsor we have one for the angels <laughs> <laughs>